The gospel for this day comes from Mark chapter 6. Jesus left that place and came to his hometown, and his disciples followed him. On the Sabbath, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were astounded. They said, where did this man get all this? What is this wisdom that has been given to him? What deeds of power are being done by his hands? Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, and the brother of James and Joseph and Judas and Simon? And are not his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. Then Jesus said to them, Prophets are not without honor except in their hometown and among their own kin and in their own house. And he could do no deed of power there except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and cured them. And he was amazed at their unbelief. Then he went about among the villages teaching. He called the twelve and began to send them out two by two and gave them authority over the unclean spirits. He ordered them to take nothing for their journey except a staff, no bread, no bag, no money in their belts, but to wear sandals and not to put on two tunics. He said to them, wherever you enter a house, stay there until you leave the place. If any place will not welcome you and they refuse to hear you, as you leave, shake off the dust that is on your feet as a testimony against them. So they went out and proclaimed that all should repent. They cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick and cured them. This is the gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Dear friends in Christ, grace and peace to you from God, our creator, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. We're going to start today with a quiz. Your goal is to try and identify as many of the objects you'll see in just a moment. They're all everyday objects that have been professionally photographed, so that doesn't sound hard, except that these have been photographed in extreme close-up. So let's see how well you do. So, how'd it go? Was it surprisingly hard? I'll admit that it was for me, especially because I'm familiar with all those objects once the camera has moved a bit further away. Sometimes the closer you are to something, the harder it is to see it, to understand it, to take in the whole picture. Sometimes being too close gets in the way. That seems to be a big part of the problem that Jesus encounters in today's reading. When he goes home, to preach to the people who knows, know him best, and he ends up unable to do much of anything at all. So far in Mark's gospel, Jesus has routinely been doing astonishing things, casting out demons, healing those who are ill, calming a storm, even bringing a girl back to life. There appears to be no limit to what he can do and heal and fix. No barriers to the kingdom of God that he is proclaiming and embodying until he goes home. Until he goes back to the people who knew him as a child, who know him close up, and who are unable to see who he truly is. 
What does it say that Jesus can stand in the face of hunger and debilitating illness, oppression and power and even death itself and bring an end to all of it, but finds himself unable to get past the scorn and mistrust and unbelief of his hometown? There are hints in the story of how deeply offended people are by him, including referring to him as the son of Mary, implying that no one knows for sure who his father is. As one writer puts it, it's a weaponized use of Jesus' birth story to humiliate him into silence. The story says that they take offense at him, which can also be translated, they stumble over him. Like he's a rock on the path they think they know a wrinkle in a story they assume has already been written. They see him coming and they think they know what to expect. And when he behaves differently, when he does more than what they can understand, when he challenges what they thought they knew about him, they stumble and then they shut down. Who does he think he is? What does he think he's doing? We know this kid. We know that story. We're not interested in a different version. Now, there are a lot of places to go with the story. I find it disturbing, to be honest, that it's not demons or illness or hunger or oppression or even death that stops Jesus. It's the ordinary contempt of ordinary people who simply can't see past the world they think they know. I'm troubled to face the reality that you and I have that power to stifle what God is doing in the world because we refuse to see it. Because it shows up in people and places closest to us and we shut it down. I suspect that part of the story is meant to leave us uncomfortable. It's meant to bother us to be a sort of rock on our path so we do stumble over it and look up to see what we might be missing. I'm also curious about how this biblical story sounds when we happen to be reading it on the 4th of July. Now, on the one hand, July 4th is a national holiday, not a church one. And when it happens to fall on a Sunday, there are no changes in the biblical readings for the day. The church, after all, transcends national boundaries and languages and cultures. The kingdom of God has no borders. On the other hand, we bring our whole selves to the Bible every time we read it. So our personal experiences, our hopes and fears, our cultures, our traditions, our stories, and our understandings of the world in which we live, they're with us when we open the scripture. And that's good. Our faith is not intended to be an occasional activity, but the center of our lives and woven into everything. Our speaking, our listening, our learning, and our deciding. So what happens when the people, the stories, the experiences we think we understand, the histories we assume we know, the ones that are closest to us, turn out to be different than we thought? This is a live question for us. Two weeks ago, I went to the Juneteenth celebration in downtown Redmond. 
It was joyful and challenging and beautiful. It was full of activities. We cheered for some of the black graduates of local school districts and their accomplishments and their future plans. We heard from students calling for change in the school systems, which too often ignore them at best and cause harm at worst. In all that we did, we remembered the joy of freedom proclaimed to the enslaved people of Texas in 1865, even as we lamented the power of white supremacy, which kept them enslaved for two years after the Emancipation Proclamation had declared them free. That day was a celebration of independence, just as much as the 4th of July, maybe more so, because far too many people in this land were not truly free in 1776. We have told our nation's story in certain ways for generations, for centuries. And in doing so, we've often ignored or silenced or excluded or shut down the stories within our history of harm and exclusion and suppression and violence and hatred. But those stories are real too. It seems as though we are beginning to give those stories more space, beginning to really hear them and see them. I'm guessing that the people of Jesus' hometown actually did love him. They were just so close to him and assumed they knew him and everything there was to know about him that they couldn't see who he really was. They couldn't see how much more complex and beautiful and challenging and transformative he had become. And so they shut him down because they didn't want to hear how a person that they knew, a story they knew, was not the whole story how much bigger God was than they'd even begun to imagine. And those hometown folks of Jesus, they're not alone. Often when we realize that the people and experiences and stories we think we know, including the stories of our own nation, when we realize they're not what we thought or assumed, that they're bigger and more complex and more challenging than we imagined, we are often tempted to shut it down. We don't want to hear it. We want what is familiar and what we know and what we learned and what we can predict. Because to let go of our control of the story is to admit that life and the world and our histories and humanity is so much bigger and more complex and complicated than we can often handle. And one time-honored option in the face of that sometimes overwhelming realization is to scoff at those who are telling the new story, to take offense. Who do they think they are? They don't belong. We shut it down and walk away. But of course, we've only told half the story. Because while Jesus experiences the rejection of his hometown, and it does stifle his ability to do much among them, the story isn't over there. 
Jesus does not call down revenge on his childhood buddies or walk out of town yelling about how they'll regret treating him like this. Instead, he turns to the disciples who have been with him for a while. In fact, Jesus called and appointed these 12 early on, but it isn't until now that he actually sends them out to do what they were called to do. Maybe Jesus realizes after the reception in Nazareth that he just can't do everything on his own. Maybe his eyes are opened to how the news of justice and love and hope and redemption, the proclaiming and embodying of God's kingdom in the world, has to be bigger than him. Has to come from all kinds of voices and bodies, from fishermen and tax collectors and wilderness baptizers. Maybe Jesus sees that the story of God is so big and generous and joyful and transformative and the world holds so much hurt and brokenness and yearning that there is no time to waste. Get out there. Tell the story. Live the story. And if you have to leave a place before you're finished, just brush the dust off and let God take care of it. But whatever the reason, what Jesus does is the very opposite of what was done to him. He does not shut down or stifle or silence. He doesn't take his version of the story and go home. He makes the circle wider. He makes the story bigger. He looks around for whoever he can find and tells them that they are a part of this too. They're welcome, they belong, and there's work to do. When we ignore the truth right in front of us, then we're the ones missing out on the challenging, inclusive, compassionate love of God that is transforming the world and opening wide the stories and healing the wounds right in front of us. But when we look up, and take in a wider view, we begin to truly see the astonishing power happening right here, even in our own hometowns. Because stumbling over a story we thought we knew and discovering how much more to it there really is, is exactly how Jesus keeps meeting us and calling us and sending us over and over again. Amen.